From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, uh, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for April 27th, 2023, the day after the New York Knicks won a playoff series. Well, this is a preview of the Miami Heat series. All of these sentences are improbable, but lives, schedules, it's a mishmash. I just walked off of a, I just walked out of somebody's Uber. You just came out of a gym. We're trying to make this all work because our love of the team rises above what is going on in our lives. And that is why we love this team that plays with so much heart and I heart every single night. And with that, hello, Jordan Brickman. Hey, Jeremy. Excited to be chatting again and so soon. What a pleasure. Yes. Um, I, I don't even know what to think other than fuck Julius Randle's hurt, and B, I still can't believe we, we won a playoff series. And the way we did it, and the way that we used, and that's why I said heart in the intro, like we pushed ourselves through this damn thing. And it was a grit, and it was a grind, and it was ugly at times, and it wasn't very pretty, but boy, it got the job done. Yeah, um, it, it, it wasn't smooth really till the final game was the, was the only game where I felt like the Knicks were kind of playing their offense and smoothly the entire for all four quarters for the most part. Um, but they got it done. Shout out to a lot of people, but I, I want to start with Tibbs. Tibbs did an incredible job in the series. We highlighted him as someone to, you know, be worried about, pay attention to, how he make adjustments, how he'll coach, because he has a history of struggling a bit come postseason time. He's under 500 record in the postseason yeah. for his career. Um, and he had a, an impeccable series. So, you know, I think he deserves a lot of flowers for what he did. I think J.B. Bickerstaff on the Cavs side had uh, a very bad series, but Tibbs, Tibbs brought that out of him and, and, and made the adjustments and somehow balanced the minutes the best he has all year uh, for, the, for the roster, at least when they were healthy with Grimes and Randall. So it's, it's, it's tremendous. I'm, I'm really happy with, with the overall performance for the team. And there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about improved play and 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 things to, that they can get better at that they will that they should get better at uh, just from a law of averages standpoint as they go to the Miami series and hopefully pass that yeah I mean look at just you know look at IQ who broke out finally last night I mean he can you know he is due for a much bigger and better series you know game after game after game consistently so there's a, there's a lot of, of things like that um, I want to talk about the heat for a second when you when one guy puts you on your shoulders, like Jimmy Butler has, last night in just ridiculous fashion with that shot to force overtime. Coming into this series, is it almost like, uh, what's going on? Like, like, like He's put them on their back, and this is a very short turnaround. This is a Sunday 1 p.m. tip. This is not a lot of rest for these guys. Are you concerned that it's one guy that can just take over a game, or is this the same conversation we had last time with with um, Mitchell, who had just a god awful series because of our defense? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I, I look at the, the Miami Knicks series similarly to, in some ways, same, some ways very different to the Knicks Cavs series, where the Knicks have the better team, the Heat have the best player. Mm. Now. In the Cavs Knicks series, it turned out that the Knicks actually had the best best player on the team. Brunson outplayed Mitchell, and um, Mitchell Robinson was a force of nature out there, and a bunch of other guys you can give give their flowers to. 
And I look at it kind of similarly. I think the Heat team, outside of their best player, is worse than the Cavs team on paper. Now, the difference is they have gone, we talked about in the last podcast, how the Cavs team hasn't gone through their lumps yet and how the Knicks need to give them their lumps in the playoffs. The Heat team is the opposite. They've been through it. They, they are, for the most part, battle-tested. You know, their, their core guys have been there, done that. They know exactly what they're getting into. So you're not going to, the moment's not going to be too big for, for some of these guys. But to your point, the Knicks had a good enough game plan to shut down a guy like Mitchell. You hope that they can do something similar with a guy like Butler. However, the Heat have a lot of really good three-point shooters on that team. They could go four or five out with guys that could knock down jump shots. That was a huge weakness of the Cavs. So it makes it more difficult to double guys and because they're going to make the extra pass. They're going to have open jump shots. You know, part of the Knicks game plan against the Cavs was to leave the corner three open for Okoro or Osman or Levert at times to make them beat the Knicks. It's going to be harder to do that against a team that has more spacing like, like the Heat do. But the Bucks, to talk about how J.B. Bickerstaff struggled on the Cavs coaching side, the Bucks had an atrocious coaching series. But Budenholzer, that's malpractice out there for them to lose that series in five. I don't care that Giannis was missed a game and it was a shell of himself. They didn't win a single game with Giannis on the floor. Uh, even, even, I know he missed you know one of the games by by a lot, but he was out there. They didn't miss. A, they didn't win a single game with Giannis playing. Um, they didn't make any adjustments. They're letting Butler run run rampant. They weren't trying to get the ball out of his hands. You gotta let make someone else beat you out there. And the Knicks have a plethora of perimeter defenders. Hopefully, they're all healthy. Um, to throw at him and different looks they can throw to make Butler uncomfortable. And the Knicks won three or four in the regular season against them. That's not always indicative of playoff success, but it's it's a good sign that they match up pretty well against this team. So the Knicks were able to avoid the big Mitchell 40-point game. Mitchell didn't have 40 points once in the whole series, yeah. which is very surprising to me. You would have thought he had multiple games of 40. Um, going to be hard to keep Butler out of that 40-point zone for, for the entire series. So it's definitely concerning, but the fact that it's one player to focus on, not two or three, obviously other guys you need to worry about, but it's one main superstar. Um, hopefully they're able to, to really hone in on some of his weaknesses and force him towards those. Jordan Brickman with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's dive in. Julius Randle. Um, I don't think the Knicks, as of this taping at 6.30 on April 27th, have said anything about Julius. Um, have you seen anything, first of all? Uh, I have not. Okay, so here's how I look at this. This series has a very, very weird schedule. And I don't know if this is Rangers issues. No, because they'll be on the road. This is, I'm, I'm not sure if this is TV or what the issue is. But this series goes Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday. <laughs> this is a very long break after game two um, until they play again. And my instant reaction when I saw the schedule was, Ways, wait, this could be good. Split the first two, then Julius comes back in game three, and we are okay. So, with that being said, first of all, I thought it was good that he was at least up and walking and maneuvering and talking to guys during timeouts and walking on the floor. Yes, with a limp, but he was walking. I, I thought that was that was a good sign. Number one. And number two, I think this schedule is favorable for us if he needs to miss the first uh, uh, two games. Yeah, I mean, I have to say my to the view that I'm, I'm assuming he's out the first two games. Because, uh, 
he's definitely going to miss the first game in my mind because, you know, one of the reasons Tibbs talked about benching Randall in the fourth quarter um, in game four was that um, it was the game, they only had one day off in between games and felt like Randall was able to bounce back fast enough yeah. there. So I'd be very surprised if he were to play in game one and then go play game two. If anything, sit him game one and have him come back for game two if he's close to healthy. But I'm in the same mindset of you that he's probably going to be out for game three. We haven't heard anything about the severity of it. Obviously, it looked really bad. Um, you know, you try to take any little bit of optimism from it. You know, one thing I was saying to some of my buddies is that the first time he, took, he sprained his ankle, he collapsed in the in the, the hallway to get to the locker room. This time he walked back on his full on his own power. Um, but, you know, these injuries are very easy to, to re-injure. It's a good sign that he was on his feet, wasn't in a boot, you know, things of that nature. You can look for optimism across all of those, but um, definitely worrisome. That, that he heard it again, and he, who knows how long it'll linger. That that stretch will be very nice for him to hopefully get a full recovery between Tuesday and Saturday if he's if he plays any of those games. Um, yeah, if you split you split the hole if you want to look at it that way as like if we can split it without Randall, Randall comes back and we have a, a good shot without you know we lose home court at that point. But this team is very good on the road and showing they can win on the road no matter really the situation. So um, I can I can get behind that attitude, but. Obi's been great. Not the same type of offensive role or defensive role as Randall, and it's obviously a smaller, smaller scale. But Obi adds a different element to the team. It's a little bit more spread out. It's a little bit less iso ball, more team ball. He adds obviously that speed element of racing down yeah. the court and makes the team have to focus on that a bit more. Um, the alley oops, and he's been decent defensively. He had a couple of nice contests yesterday. Um, the rebounding is where he really struggles, but the Heat are a terrible rebounding team. So. Um, you know, they're there for, for us. Randall would be a big, is a big advantage for us against the Heat. Um, but there's no one that's going to necessarily take advantage of us not having Randall out there. So, um, it, it, hopefully he can get to close to full strength again and, and be back for next Saturday. It's really tough for him because he's clearly not in rhythm. Um, and it, this is just going to delay that even further. Now, Mobley is about as tough of a matchup as it gets for Randall, uh, for Mobley guarding Randall, uh, when Randall's on the offensive end, that, that's pretty tough for him. He's got the length, he's got the size to make it tough for him to shoot over him and, and drive past him. And he was starting to seem like he was getting his legs back under him in, in, in game five this, yesterday until he got hurt again. Yeah. So so we'll see. They'll have to update it by um, end of day tomorrow. Oh, no, tomorrow's Friday, so we have till Saturday. They have to give an update Saturday around 5 p.m., I think, yep. for their, yep. their lineup. But they, they should do, I would expect them to do some media in the next day or so. We'll get an update on, on him. Um, so, so we'll see what it is. Obi's been quite good. He was kind of uh, almost Wally Pitts, uh, Julius Randall, to, to quote a, to quote the Dunk Don podcast I listened to earlier uh, when he came in and just almost took spot right away just by hitting, I think, at seven points, like three minutes when we started the second half yesterday. So he's certainly capable of backup. They do some different things, uh, but size is not the reason the Heat are going to beat us. So um, we're going to get out on those, those three point shooters and, and worry about Butler um, and and. Hopefully Grimes, another guy that's injured, can, can help with that as well. Hopefully he can make it back too. Um, for levity's sake, let's change it up. How many dunks will Jalen Brunson have in this series? <laughs> he had two last series. Uh, I'm going to assume it's going to be zero. It, it felt like the first one he did was kind of like a statement. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And then the second one, I think it was kind of for safety because there was people behind him and he didn't want to. He didn't want to risk it and getting blocked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's great to show that he's got some hops. He got up there. It wasn't like 
He had a couple inches to spare on those dunks. Yeah, he really did. Look, I, I think that one thing that, that I don't think a lot of I, I think we as Nick fans and you know are are seeing this, but I, I don't think a lot of opposition um, is seeing you know necessarily sees this is Brunson runs this team. There is a, a sense of safety of how this team runs, how this team ticks. You can see times where things are getting a little shaky and Tibbs will put them immediately back in to settle things down. He knows how to run the game. And we talk about Josh Hart. Hart made the shots last night that Brunson was making earlier in the series. And that pairing, that Nova pairing coming together, I, 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 I look at, at the Knicks and I say, it's Mitchell Robinson and then it's Hart and Brunson kind of together, and then um, RJ. Does that make sense? Like, like That's how I look at the offense, because of how much those two feed off each other, Hart and Brunson. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, going into every game, you know you're going to get a lot out of Brunson, you know, offensively, he's going to carry a, a huge load. But past that, this, you're not necessarily sure, especially with Randall out and struggling, you weren't sure who the number two option was going to be each night. Um, you know, Barrett really ascended the last three games to another level with his play, and I'm really proud. You know, I'm definitely one of the an RJ detractor a bit, but I'm really proud of the last three games he's had. He's also been better defensively, really putting a lot of focus and energy in on that end, which can be a problem for him at least during the regular season. So um, there's a lot of it. Kind of depends on what the team's needs are. You know, the Knicks won this series by. There's a lot of things you can point to, but to me, it's due to the rebounding, the offensive rebounding in particular, which Mitchell Robinson obviously led, but Hart was huge there. And there's the the, the quote that Hart had to, to Mitchell Robinson during the game because he was mic'd up and he was like, you know, talking to Mitch that, that Mitch gets a lot of rebounds and he gets rebounds throughout the whole game, but Josh Hart gets rebounds that break the backs of his opponents because it's those momentum ones, end of game, you need to get it, and Josh Hart is just there and just... Over and over and over again, he was there against the Cavs, who just didn't seem to have that extra gear or know that they needed to play with that because it's their first time going through it. So there's a lot of guys to point to. I still don't really want – Josh Hart had a couple shots in this game where he's, like, creating in the mid-range. I still don't really want that to happen. If that's happening, the possession is broken down, and he hit those shots. But to me, that that's not what I want him to do. I want him to be in transition, shoot open threes, and then make those those hustle plays that he's so incredible at. Jordan Brickman with us here on Teeing It Up. For those who are uh, tuning in and have not been watching the Miami Heat, no Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo. Um, how much, in your mind, looking at this series, does this change the complexion of if they had them and what you would think the outcome would be versus not having them? Yeah, I mean, I think Oladipo, you know, he, he's kind of a shell of himself at this point. So so it's, it's a guy that was getting minutes and that's no longer playing and no longer healthy. So in that respect, it's significant because they got to go deeper into the bench. Hero is the one that's the bigger one to, to miss. You know, he's the guy that you shut down Butler and Hero still there to be able to put up 20-plus points a game. Uh, but he's not a great defender. Uh, Hero isn't. So, you know, he's the guy come playoff time. If he's out there, you can try to exploit him defensively and, and now he won't be out there so it, it's, a, it's a loss he's their third best player second best sco- scoring option hero being gone so that's definitely a break for, for the team um, but they got a lot everyone else on the team for the most part can shoot threes they shot I saw a stat today that the Heat had the sixth highest I believe the stat is the sixth highest three point percentage over an entire series 
in NBA history, and their volume is sig- of shots was significantly higher than everyone else on that list. So they shot, uh, I think it was 45% from three for that entire series. If they're going to do that, it's going to be hard to beat them, right? You need, but the thing about three-point shooting, it's fluky. Yeah. You by the three, you die by the three. So can they maintain that shooting uh, over the course of this series or series here, or at least for four of the seven games to beat the Knicks? And can the Knicks really focus in on that shooting? It's a it's a it's a thing that can be scary for us because our defense is built around stopping drives into the paints. That is what we are best at. So teams that shoot a lot of threes, it can exploit our weakness. Now we have a lot of really strong perimeter defenders on this team with Hart, hopefully with Grimes, with quickly even Deuce, RJ. Like I said, had was improved in, in the. Cavs series defensively. There's enough guys out here that have the physical tools to stop them on the perimeter from taking open shots, but will the scheme allow them to adjust to that is definitely a question that I have here, because again, we gave up a lot of open threes against the Cavs, and they were not making them. If you recall the Knicks two years ago when they went the four seed, they were the luckiest team in the NBA with open threes. This is kind of yep. Tibbs's MO when it comes to defensive schemes that he can knock them down. 45%, can they hold that up for another four to seven games? That remains to be seen. It'd be a pretty unprecedented stretch. we got to make them uncomfortable out there, make them drivers, hard closeouts, um, you know, make them dribble the ball. These guys, Max Strews, um, these guys are not going to tr- break you down with, with dribble drives. So make them uncomfortable, make them use their dribble, and then have your health defense there to, to try to collect and gather a turnover or miss shot or get the rebound or whatever it might be. But Butler is the guy you got to worry about breaking things down. Um, so if you can if you can build your defense to slow him down. By the way, he also shot the lights out from three relative for him in this series. I looked up, you know, playoff Jimmy's all-time three-point percentage, 35%. Now that's better than his, than his regular season three-point percentage where he basically doesn't shoot from three at all in the regular season, just waits till the postseason. But, you know, he had a game where he was four for four from three against the Bucks. That's a kind of a statistical anomaly when it comes to what he normally shoots from three. Can he keep that up? You know, will he be able to maintain that over an entire series? Or is this kind of a flash in the pan for the Heat who have the talent to do this on a game-to-game basis, but maybe not over four, five, ten, fifteen game stretch? So that's some of the things I'll be looking for to see if they can make their shooters uncomfortable, make them drive, and if they can adjust the defensive scheme to force these guys to, to do these things. Because right now, the defensive scheme they're used to playing it's not to stop three-point shots. It's to stop them from driving to the paint. They don't have a lot of guys that can do that. Yeah, and that is that is a big thing. Jordan Brickman uh, uh, with us here on Seeing It Up. Um, you talked about the Heat and their three-point shooting uh, in, 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 in this past series against the Bucks. They were the fourth worst three-point shooter uh, shooting team in the league for in the regular season, which also shows you how fickle this is, and how fickle this can can, can go backwards. Um, Struess, he's my kind of X-Factor dude that I brought up before last uh, series, which was Karis LeVert. Uh, this time it's Max Struess. In the four games this year against the Knicks, he, he averaged eight points, one assist. He was 64 from three and uh, 61 from the field. That's my guy. Got to watch him. That's my X-Factor dude. Yeah, I mean, definitely got definitely got to lock lock him up. You know, 
um, or not let him get kind of going. There, there's a couple of clips I was I was kind of rewatching some of the Heat highlights, or he's just walking into pull up threes. You know, you can't let that. Happen. I, if you think back, you know, the Knicks in Game Two when they lost, got uh, got blown out by the Cavs at, at, in, in Cleveland. That's what the Knicks letting Garland do, and we talked about that as the key to the Cavs series was avoiding those pull up threes because that's when the team that's when it really spaces the floor. That's when guys really get hot, really get going. And they, the Bucks were just letting guys walk into shots. Even Jimmy Butler coming off screens, they're just letting him walk into jump shots. Now, obviously, Jimmy shooting a jump shot is usually an okay thing because he's not as good of a shooter as he is, you know, driver and, and, and other things. It. So, yeah. take, take the poison. But, um, you, you know, it's, 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 you, you gotta make these guys uncomfortable. So, Beat the shooters out early as they cross half court. Do not let them get into the rhythm there. So totally agree. Um, I'm going to go back to a similar point that I made in the Cavs series for my X Factor, and it's win in the paint. You know, the Heat do not have a lot of size. They have Ben Adebayo, I think, is a great player. I would love to have him on the Knicks one day. He's a modern five. He can hit jump shots. He's switchable. But he's the only big man on the team you got to worry about. Obviously, I've got love, but he's not blocking shots or playing defense. He's just staying on the perimeter these days and getting some rebounds. Um, the Knicks should dominate in the paint from a rebounding standpoint, just like they did in the last series. Adebayo's also playing through an injury, by the way, a hamstring injury. Um, and he's been getting beat up and dragged out all year. He did not have a good series against the Bucks. They need to continue to hammer him, make him work outwork him like they traditionally do against most teams. You win in the paint, as we saw against the Cavs. You get those rebounds. You get those extra possessions. I talked about in the last podcast how Mitch gets three to five offensive rebounds a game. That leads to, on average, about six to ten extra points a game if they can continue to dominate down there. Mitch has a significant size advantage, as does Hardenstein on Bam, in the paint, on those rebounds, on those lobs, make them work. That's a big place to, to stay home and, and and to, to focus on, and that's just what they do naturally as the team, so I think that they'll be able to continue to do that uh, in this series with Mitch out there, and Mitch is playing with so much confidence now, you can see it in him, and especially the last two games, the double-double, 18 rebounds, yeah. 11 offensive rebounds in the last game, he's so confident out there, so he should be feeling really good going up against a guy like Pam, who's a tough cover for him, he's got a little more mobile, he can hit jump shots, um, but, but Mitch should be able to completely dominate in the paint, Make sure that there's no extra shots for the Heat. They're going to be shooting threes, long rebound, longer the shot, longer the rebound. Hopefully Mitch and the guards can get those boards, shut that down, and get extra shots on there, and that'll be the key. The Knicks did not shoot well almost in any game. I don't think they shot 35% from three in any game the entire series, which is average. So there's reason to think that the Knicks can turn, can, can have upside offensively in this series. Um, and, and if Mitch in the paint, getting those offensive rebounds, Protecting it will be valuable, um, especially because we know that they're going to get their three-point shots. That's what Spolster is going to get scheme for them to do. So Mitch has to get those rebounds, those offensive rebounds, and continue to play how he did in the Cavs series. And I think he will. Bam's smaller than Mobley and Allen, and it's only one of them. He should be able to, to, to do what he needs to do down there. I just worry about foul trouble. Just Bam being pesky and creating foul trouble. He's got to stay on the floor. Hartenstein has to come in for regular rotation, not for fouls. Jericho Sims had surgery today. He's done for the year. The Knicks are short if both Hartenstein and Mitch get into foul trouble. They've got to have a good series. And that's Yeah, I mean, especially, especially if Randall's out too, right? Yes, like, yes. They can't even go Randall and Obi if, if Randall's missing, missing some of the games. Yes, absolutely. 
when 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 you look at this series now, zoom out from you know to forty thousand feet. What wins this series for the next? What loses this series for the next? Yeah, what loses is the three point shooting of the Heat. If if, if they're if they're hitting high volume with three point shots, that's going to be the downfall for the Knicks because um, you know the Knicks have gotten a, a much improved from three. They've gotten rid of some of the long twos to some extent. They're shooting less of them than normally have. Um, they can shoot the three. They haven't done it well so far, like I mentioned. But um, if the Heat are going off from three. That's what you got to worry about. Butler's going to get his, right? No matter how much you do, Butler's going to get his in some ways. Too much of a bulldog, too much of a force down there, too mentally strong. Just to, he's going to get, he's going to have games where he goes off. Um, you got to avoid the heat hitting, hitting their, their three point shots. And then the key for the Knicks to win, honestly, what I'm most worried about, because I feel that there's a talent, the Knicks are a more talented team, basically after the best players on each roster, right. the Knicks are more talented. Um, Maybe you could put Bam in there as a top three player in the, in, the, in the series. I'm scared of Spolstra. Spolstra, to me, is the best coach in mm. the NBA. Um, he is known for his adjustments. He's known for making defending t- uh, opposing teams uncomfortable. And he's a wizard out there. And I'm worried about what he's going to do to make the Knicks uncomfortable out there and what type of adjustments he's going to make that will get the, the Heat to have an advantage, and will Tibbs be able to react to those adjustments? So far, so good for Tibbs. So far, so good for the Knicks being able to react, bounce back, play on the road, You know, do the things they need to do against the young Cavs team that was, I think, a little bright-eyed in that series. But I'm most scared of Spolstra, so I'm going to put the spotlight right back on Tibbs because I think that the team is more talented, they're favored, they have home court advantage. Yes, there's some injuries they're dealing with, but even still, I like their chances to win the series um, if if Tibbs can react accordingly to the adjustments that Spo will make. I was, uh, I was told today that we're slight favorites in Vegas. I think minus one forty for the next yeah. round. Yeah, yeah, it, it's I'm I'm with you there, and, I, and I'm glad you brought up Spolstra because he's just such a good coach. Um, and it's Tibbs. You and I were 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 marveling throughout this series how glad we were to see Tibbs adjust. And let you know, let Toppin do his thing at times for for longer stretches than uh, during the regular season. It's fascinating. It's it's a really interesting chess match about teams who have stars and then the stars within and who may blossom on a given night. Uh, which brings me to the hardest question I will ask you this entire podcast, which is, what in the world do you think will happen in this series? Uh, well, you know, I was t- talking today with a buddy about how. I have this like mental block about thinking the Knicks are going to do well in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, which is why I said Cavs in seven yep. in the last podcast because that was me kind of being like, yeah, it's going to be really close. I think they can win at least three games, like beat right in it, but I can't commit to them winning because I don't want to convince myself they're going to win. With that said, Knicks in six, let's do it. Um, you know, I just feel like there's too many advantages, similar to the Cavs series, there's too many advantages the Knicks have from a personnel standpoint out there. Too many guys can go off and too many guys have not played well in the first round and have room to get better and and start to play well. Um, the Garden seems to be a place that gives the Knicks a ton of life. Um, you know, I can see Butler embracing that Garden atmosphere too and, and really kind of bringing his game up to the same level he had against the Bucks. but the Heat just want to knock him out, drag him out five game series where they had crazy comebacks in each game. You know, they were losing 
those last two games by 10 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And the, and the, the bus collapsed. They were losing a majority of the series from a minute standpoint. Um, and they just kind of had a perfect storm of bad coaching and shot making and missed calls by refs and just kind of worked out perfectly for them. I just don't know if I see that happening for a full series again against a, team, a Knicks team that's going to be fully confident, young, ready to go, um, feeling like they're on top of the world, home court advantage in those first two games. Now, you know, there's issues, there's concerns about the injuries, but the, the, the Heat aren't fully healthy either. I've talked about how Bam's got a hamstring injury. He's playing through it. He's their second best player. You know, there's not enough offensive talent on that Heat team to take us out in a, in a regular basis. You know, maybe one game here, one game there at home. Struce gets hot, whatever it might be. Butler has this 40 point game or a 56 point game. Uh, you know, next day, lucky to avoid, avoid games of that, of that nature so far this, this postseason. But it just feels like there's enough advantages. Uh, out there for the Knicks to be able to win this game. And we got some dogs, too. You know, Butler kind of outdogs people come postseason time. Nope. Post time. Not, not uh, this year. The Knicks theory. got a lot of them. I, I, I don't see him. I don't see Josh Hart getting intimidated by what Butler's doing. You know, if Randall comes back, Randall's a guy that likes to be physical down there. That physicality really um, can add up over over a series, especially when you're talking about in the paint, going for rebounds, knocking guys around. The playoffs are more physical. Physicality is our thing. Butler, that's Butler's world too. But I still think that we're not going to knock, knock uh, step down from him, and, and we'll be ready to, to reach for the challenge. So we're going Nixon six. I argue that Brunson's the face of the franchise, and he's and, and he's the biggest uh, dog of them all. Some of the shots he hits, and he gets knocked. He's one of those guys that gets knocked down. You know, every other play when he's driving to the hoop. Um, yeah, I want to see Brunson trust his team a little bit more. I yes. thought at times. He was a little bit heavy iso ball, didn't want to pass it, um, you know, really wanted to make a shot. He had only had one game where he struggled to score, which was game two when the Knicks got blown out and looked awful. But, um, you know, normally his shots are going to go down whether whether the defense likes it or not. Uh, but I'd like to see him trust his teammate a little bit more. I, you know, one of the reasons I think IQ struggled a bit is because he just didn't get the, he just didn't have the ball in his hands as much yeah. um, in, in the last round. You know, last game he, he did a little bit in the first half, second half not as, not as much till the end. Um but it'll help open up Brunson's game by letting other people bring the ball up. IQ, RJ even a little bit. Let those guys bring the ball up. It'll open up things for Brunson. Because what teams will do and what I expect to see is Brunson getting doubled once he crosses half court. And he's so small, you know, you got these long arms double teaming him. It's tough for him to, 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 to make a good decision there. Even though he's, he's not turnover prone, it still takes him a little bit. A couple pivots, you know, to get, get people open. Um, so, so letting someone else bring the ball up the floor should open that up for him and open it up for other guys too. Absolutely, and I think playing Brunson and IQ alongside each other has been, um, you know, very productive uh, overall and in this series, and I think it could pay dividends here. I unfortunately have Nixon seven with us just being going through emotional roller coasters every day, Jordan. I just feel like we're just in for seven in this. I just feel like we're in for seven, and it's going to be Nixon seven. And just like last night, I'm going to text you. This is tense. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Nixon seven. I got tickets. The Knicks game seven. I would love to watch them win a game seven to go to the Eastern Conference Finals on our home court and be there for that. That'd be a memorable one for me. So I, I won't be upset if that happens too. There you go. There's another perspective on it. 
Jordan Brickman, um, thank you as always for coming on teeing it up uh, in 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 the midst of what is a very busy stretch for your for you. I greatly appreciate it. Um, let's go Knicks and let this crazy ride of because uh, I I think the feeling you and I both have and we're scared to say it is this team is actually good. Yeah. So not only are they good, like just to take a like a ten thousand foot view of the team right now, they're good. They're really young. They have a lot of assets to trade to build on the team, um, and they have cap space coming up. Like you know, Fournier's contract is uh, it's coming off the books, or he's got a player option. I'm sure I'll opt in, but that's a movable deal that's an expiring. Derek Rose's contract is coming up. They got to sign some of these guys like quickly. His contract extension eligible. They've already extended RJ. They've already extended Mitch. Brunson's on a, on a descending contract, so his contract gets cheaper at the length as, as it goes along, which is an incredible deal, as does Mitch's, I believe, also descends. Um, they got a lot of room here to, to improve, and a lot of assets. You know, Grimes is still in his second year. You know, we'll see what happens with Obi. I can see him still being a trade candidate as he's raising his trade value, thankfully, uh, this postseason so far, which is great. Um, there's a lot of reason to, even if it doesn't work out on this Heat series or the next series or whatever it might be, Lots of reason to think there's a lot to build on here with Brunson, Randall, RJ's doing what he's doing recently, IQ emerging as one of the best six men in the NBA and a guy that you can play at the end of, the, end of games. Lots of reason for optimism here no matter what happens in this series that the Knicks are on course to be competitive and maybe even better than just competitive for the next few years ahead. Amen. Jordan Brickman, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Let's go next. Let's go next, indeed. Take care, everybody. Have a great night.